0: Section 18 of Birds and Nature, Volume 11, Number 1, January 1902. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Hawaii, in April 2018. Section 18. The Greenland Whale, Baliana mysticetus. The whale is by far the largest animal on earth, some species being many times the size of an elephant, and is it not a curious fact, that in appearance it so resembles a fish, that many suppose it to belong to that class, while truly it is not a fish at all? It is in reality much more like a cow or a horse, although externally it seems very unlike these animals, but appearances are not always to be relied upon when we examine the construction of the whale we find that it is warm-blooded as we are we find that it has immense lungs which hold a great quantity of air and that it must fill them or die we find that it has bones similar to those of land animals it has the seven neck bones found in all mammals but it is the opposite extreme from the giraffe as in proportion to its size it has the shortest neck of any mammal while the giraffe has the longest it has ribs also bones for the forearm and nearly obliterated there are found bones representing the hind legs instead of being hatched from an egg as most fishes are a baby whale comes into the world alive and complete and for many months it takes its mother milk as a calf might do or a young colt a baby whale is indeed a monstrous infant being sometimes ten or twelve or even fifteen feet long but by its mother's side it does not seem such a monstrosity for the whale mother may be forty-five or fifty feet in length herself these great animals are a most interesting study For their ancestors undoubtedly once lived on land we can imagine the land animal many centuries ago dwelling on the banks of some large stream fond of spending much time in the water until with successive generations the shape of the animal gradually changed and adapted itself to its fluid surroundings the forearms and hands gradually became covered with continuous skin until the arm and hand became a flipper the rear limbs grew shorter and shorter as they were used less and less, until finally there was nothing left to indicate their presence except a few small bones. The tail, used as a propeller, grew strong, large and flat, and we can imagine that the animals themselves, as they put out to sea, and in time avoided even the rivers, became larger as the centuries passed by. However this may be, The Greenland whale has been found sixty feet in length, although some other species are smaller. I think we can consider the whale an animal of a roving disposition. In early times it roved away from land, and now it belongs to the migratory animals, changing its locality with the seasons. The Greenland whale is happiest with cold and ice, so when summer comes it travels north in great numbers these great groups are called schools and being of a social disposition it is seldom found alone when travelling at first thought it would seem strange that a warm-blooded animal with no fur to protect it could so enjoy the cold but should we examine beneath the soft velvety skin we would find a great layer of fat from ten to eighteen inches thick this protects the animal from cold like a great soft overcoat and the polar sea has for it no terrors of the peculiar makeup of the greenland whale the head is certainly the most peculiar of all the parts it is a great shapeless mass about a third of the length of the entire animal it seems to be out of all proportion until one realizes that it must provide food for this great creature which is no small task like all of the whalebone whales the greenland whale has no teeth but in the mouth is found a great number of flexible bone-like appendages attached to the roof of the mouth and palate at one end and hanging loose at the opposite end these are known as the baleen plates and form the whalebone of commerce in the greenland whale this whalebone hanging from the centre of the jaw is sometimes twelve feet in length and as there are from two hundred and fifty to four hundred in number, the great value of the baleen is readily seen. When the great animal opens its mouth, a rowboat with its oarsmen could easily be taken in, yet the animal eats only small crustaceans, mollusks, worms, and minute forms of life. When the immense mouth opens, it takes in a large amount of water containing its food. The mouth then closes, but the water is permitted to flow out, the baleen acting like a sieve, retaining the food supply within and allowing the water to ooze away. The food is retained on the great tongue and swallowed at leisure. The eye of the whale is very small, the ear is barely perceptible, yet when submerged the sight is keen and the hearing well developed. The nostrils are placed on the top of the head so that the whale, when rising, can readily begin the operation of breathing. With a snorting noise the animal first blows up the water which has entered the imperfectly closed nostrils when submerged. This is done with such force that the water is separated into fine drops and thrown fifteen or eighteen feet into the air. The whale then breathes with a rapid inspiration, making a sort of moaning sound when the lungs are filled with air it will plunge beneath the surface of the water and remain for perhaps twenty minutes before appearing again although when wounded it remains under water a much longer time in spite of its great size the whale is so perfectly adapted to its surroundings that it is a highly active animal it swims without apparent effort and on account of the great strength of the enormous horizontal tail-fin it can jerk itself above the water and take long leaps the smoothness of the skin facilitates the passage of the immense bulk through the water and the thick layer of fat diminishes the weight so that a whale can move with the rapidity of a steamship the greenland whale is on the whole an amiable animal it seems to prefer to live at peace with its kind and although it can make great havoc with its immense tail-fin it seemingly does so by accident rather than from viciousness like all other animals the whale has its enemies especially when young the killer whale and some sharks hunt and attack the young whales as indeed they do the older ones but the greatest enemy of all is man for a thousand years he has systematically pursued and captured many species until some are nearly exterminated the americans became great whale hunters in the nineteenth century and in the thirty-eight years from eighteen thirty five to eighteen seventy two nearly twenty thousand ships engaged in this industry these whaling ships were fitted especially for this work they were built to withstand the perils of the ice-bound northern seas and were arranged for long voyages. It was a sad day in the coast villages when the whalers sailed on these long, perilous, and uncertain cruises, for the ships frequently were gone three years, and some never came back, though as a whole the actual loss of human life was comparatively small. A number of ships would, if possible, keep sufficiently near together to render assistance in case of accident after reaching the whaling grounds usually two men were kept on the mast as a lookout. when the cry came there they spout all became excitement as soon as it was determined that the whales were the species which they were seeking the boats were lowered the harpoons the lances the gun the hatchet the knife the blubber spade and most important of all the line were all placed in the boat together with a keg of fresh water some ship's biscuit the lantern candles and matches and in a very short time the men were lustily pulling toward the monster they hoped to capture they endeavoured to approach the whale from the rear and often were not discovered by the animal until the harpoons were buried in its body the boat was then rowed backward with great speed as the whale could easily annihilate it with one blow of its great tail frequently the whale would dive down perpendicularly to a great depth and if the line was not sufficiently long it would of course pull the boat after it in time the whale was obliged to rise for air and the struggle was renewed other boats approached and threw their harpoons and the whale either turned upon its tormentors or ran dragging the boats after it in time it became exhausted and then it was killed either with the gun harpoon or a hand lance it was then towed to the ship's side made fast with chains and placed to float head backwards the blubber was then torn off by means of pulleys and tackle this process lasted from four to eight hours the upper jaw of the whalebone whale or the lower jaw of the sperm whale was then cut off and taken on deck after all the valuable parts were taken the carcass was cast adrift the blubber was then cut into pieces and tried out the oil being stowed away in barrels the value of the whale may be as high as ten thousand dollars the trying out of the oil is indeed a weird sight at first wood is used as a fuel but afterward the residue of the blubber called cracklings is used as it possesses sufficient heating power to finish the work attired in their worst clothes writes petuel Leschke, half naked dancing and singing running after one another and brandishing their tools dripping with oil and sooty like devils the crew disport themselves about the hearth an intensely active life prevails on board the sight of this activity is doubly striking by night when a mass of the cracklings is hoisted up in an iron basket this strange torch burns merrily casting a weird light on the scene as the blazing flames throw glaring fitful rays on the deck and bring out in bold relief the black clouds of smoke and the masts with their sails the reflection extending far out over the sea by day huge masses of smoke on the horizon betray the presence of a whaler which tries out the blubber long before one catches sight of the ship itself john Ainsley. End of section 18